back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington. And Kevin, we're back. We are it's our, back. It's been our last two-week break. We're here for the season. That's right. Coming off the top here, we are back every single week. So make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the like, spot, like button over there. It helps us grow. We're pushing it out. Find us everywhere you find your podcast, including sportstalkphilly.com. Um, okay, Kevin. So the we've turned the corner. The, mm-hmm. the summer is over, as it were. Like, And obviously, we are still in the waning weeks of summer here. But as far as hockey goes, we have new, fresh hockey, fresh training camp has begun. Yes. You've been there all week covering it. What, what have you seen? A lot of positivity. And in terms – not in terms of like – Let's like not in terms of we're making a playoff push. We're going to surprise. I mean, there's a little bit of elements of that always, but usually that's more like one of the things John Tortorella said is, and Danny Breer kind of said too, is the players aren't going to think rebuild and they shouldn't because that's when you, when that creeps into the mind of a player, it probably changes the way like that. That's when you kind of do start like indirectly tanking because then you're thinking it too much. And, and like, and I say indirectly because I sure you're going out there and you're not going to sit there and say, we're just going to deliberately lose the game, but you'll make more mistakes if you're overthinking the process. So they're trying to like keep clear minds, but yeah. And the, the tank is a fine balance between, the players on the ice want to win. The players on the ice are trying their best to improve personally right. and professionally and, you know, become better hockey players. It's then the job of management to put together a roster that's poor sure. enough that it puts the team where they need to be. But you exactly. need guys who are showing up to fight every night. Right. And and look, you've got a very modest roster size, I'll say, because Tortorella has even said last year they had so many players they had four groups going out on the ice and it was, it, I mean, that made for longer days. Let's be, let's be real during training camp. Cause you would have four different on ice sessions this year. They only have three teams. They have 57 total players. A hand, two of them are not able to participate in their very low level players. One, one is Mateo man, who was a draft pick seventh rounder this past year. So you can, de- you can deduct. He wasn't making it anyway. He's it's not kind of here deal. to hang out. No big right. Deal. So it, it's not a big deal. He got kind of nicked up in in like rookie camp. I think in one of the rookie games actually was when he got nicked up and J.R. Avon was never able to participate in rookie camp and is out four to six weeks with it, with dealing with an injury and, has like he hadn't even been like at least Mateo man has been on the ice separately while his group is out to kind of still be mobile and doing things Hanging out with the guys <laughs> Avon's not able to at all Avon was right. supposed to, by the way he because Avon's team he played in Peterborough last year in juniors and went to the Memorial Cup so they had a big successful run his next step was turning pro he was go- he's targeted for the Phantoms and now he kind of comes in a little bit of a step behind on that because and, and that's that's just unfortunate. But when you take those two guys out of the picture and you're saying there's 55 other players on the ice, among them six goaltenders, by the way, so take away six more and you're talking 49 skaters total, you know, it leaves you with a lot less. And, and out of the 49, yeah. by the way, a decent number of recent, again, recent draft picks. Like you, you think guys, about you don't guys, expect to make any well, sort of well, noise this year. Perfect example. Oliver Bonk and Denver Barkey have been part right. of this, for example. Right. You know. And Carson Bjarnason's one of the goalies. They're going back to juniors. In fact, we're the, the projection is the team has an off day, a complete off day on Tuesday, at the the first day after their preseason opener. There is a chance that the preseason opener. We don't know the roster yet. It'll be out on Monday morning around the same time. You can probably be listening to this. Yep. It'll be out. There's a chance that maybe can, one of Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso will tweet it out if you're looking for it. I will have that, and I will have a game preview of the first preseason okay. game as well. That, that'll also have if I can get it 
with a decent enough amount of time before the game, the Devils roster for the game as well. Okay. Um, and any streaming information I find out, I heard, I think I've heard things about like that the Flyers website is supposed to be putting a stream up of some Ooh, kind or, or, nice. it, you know what I mean? Like repurposing a stream that the Devils maybe are doing or something. Cause the, cause the first two road the game out there and well, the first two road preseason games, cause the first three preseason games are on the road. The first two games are not televised. And presumably there will be a stream from both of those teams, from the Devils and the Islanders. Yep. The Boston road game on Friday is going to be on NHL Network. And then the three preseason home games are obviously on local television. You know, okay. you can I don't I don't want to give, you know, specifically give which network because there's That's a chance fair. it could be either. Well, it could be either or like it could be just the regular NBC channel it could be plus could be whatever. So it'll be floating find, around somewhere. Yeah, it will find out as it gets closer, specifically what network it's on. But. Nonetheless, you'll be able to. The last four are going to be easy access. It's really just the first two that we're trying to figure out. But anyway, there's a chance in that very first preseason game that a that a kid like Denver Barkey could get an opportunity to play in a game that he otherwise wouldn't have. You know, in general, like he's not making the team. No. We had we interviewed we interviewed him at camp on Saturday, and let me tell you, this kid, and I'm saying that with all sincerity, but kid. Because he looks Child. like he's 12. He talks like he's 12. And yet, you know, and yet he's actually, he's, he's as energetic as, and this is my first chance to see him in person. He is very energetic, okay. great motor, good skater. You know, not the best skater out there, but good skater. And definitely has a nose for the net. So, okay. you know, just little things. And he's not scoring goals and scrimmages like crazy or things like that. But he is very much present and he's noticeable you know for an 18 year old to be noticeable is a very yeah. big deal and so you know and he and he made an impression in the rookie camp by the way because he had a couple of assists he sees the ice really well smart player i wouldn't you, be shocked if he's potentially in that lineup on do Monday. you see do you see him as a center at the nhl level or do you think he ends up moving to the wing tough call i mean i'd I, i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna have to do probably is see if there's any change in how he's utilized in juniors how london uses them that okay. could probably be an indication i mean he's not on the radar for probably three years at this point. right well and, and some some of that has to do with again we're talking about drafting a kid here like he's right he might he might not be done growing you know i guys exactly. fill out until they're 20 21 22 sometimes so it's yeah. exactly right and and it'll like more things will come together when you're looking at that roster. It'll come together way more later. Like you're looking for guys and I'm trying to think of a forward who like maybe either looks a little different or whatever, but like, you know, the guys who you're expecting to be bigger, to be yeah. a little bit more built a different way. Tyson Forrester is built a little differently this year than oh, he was last yeah. year, you know, guys like that. So, you know, that's what you're looking for in that sense. And, you're not worried about the kid who just got drafted, has never been through a camp, is really getting a crash course on NHL camps because, hello, you're doing skates under John Tortorella hello. at 18 years old. I think you're going to be better off for it when you go to juniors and start playing against competition that is definitely younger than you are now. So Absolutely. Like, and that's, that's the thing. I can't wait to see what kind of year he has or what kind of year Bonk has or whatever. You know, Just from – Three weeks of this, two weeks yep. of this, you know, like it's going to oh, be impressive. But we're getting excited. But the the overall, to kind of go back to your main point, because I don't want to spend a whole ton of time on a kid who's not even making the team. Let's right. be real. The vibe in general was very like has just been much more positive, and it's it's okay. all really due to this idea that there is a sense of direction finally, and that there. Okay. I mean, let's put it this way: you need to you want to know everything you need to know from day one. John Tortorella on day one 
talked about and and had a line that I put in an article and that everybody else there, you know, the ears perked up the second it was said because he said something about in, you know, in my mind, we were rebuilding last year. No matter what was said or what was allowed to be said, we were rebuilding last year. And so the funny part of that is, is despite everything, despite Jones, you know, Keith Jones is part, you know, the president now, Danny Briere is the GM now. All of the other changes, Dan Hilferty is the big boss of Comcast, essentially, so it's not that group anymore. You know, So Dave Scott's gone. Val Camillo is no longer with the organization. And, guy, and, right. no, and look at the guy he's still taking a shot at indirectly by saying that. He's still taking a shot at Chuck Fletcher, despite yep. the fact that this is now, you know, you're going off of this happened in March. You know, it's, it's September. Yeah. yeah, it's September, and you're still throwing that little jab in there, like, "Hey, you know what?" Yeah, there are. We some were I think there are some pretty sour feelings towards. Chuck I think it's just. John I Tortorella. think it's just a direction because he knew. Like, let's be real about uh, real about John Tortorella for a second, in the sense that he was the one guy who really knew from the get go what to say and how to approach it, and and didn't you know did, wasn't afraid to pull back the curtain who and explain. This, who was the star of the team last year? It certainly well, yeah, wasn't exactly. anybody on the ice. It was the John Tortorella show. Right. And then you were, you know, the cool part with that is that you're, because you're right for, especially for the first half, maybe, hell, even to March, really. He was oh, a star. John Tortorella had huge main character energy all but, last year. Sure. But as, like, as those last maybe six weeks of the season started to go through, you were paying a little more attention to, like, an Owen Tippett or a Noah Cates or even yeah. the way Travis Konechny finished the season. And you're like, well, all right. It's not like, completely hopeless here there's guys who have grown you know and and, and this I, was a big I will say john, conversation and i will say john tortorella has done a great job because as those guys stepped up and showed on the ice that they were a little more capable john mm -hmm. tortorella got a little quieter and kind of took a bit of a step right. back and praised those guys where they deserved to be praised but he was no longer coming out there and making himself the center of attention he and did a great job on deflecting blame from the team when they needed to be shielded Mm -hmm. Honestly, and I, we've said it on the show before, John Tortorella has done a fantastic job here. And he continues to do so because he's still giving you that message. He's still uh, – one of the things I really like, and it, and it may be very old-school approach, but it's still something that really can work in this situation. He's talked a lot in the last couple of days specifically about, like, he doesn't want to forecast anything. He doesn't want to make predictions. He doesn't want to talk about what what ifs or whatever. It's – he's just anxious to let it play out and let it naturally happen for whatever it is. And like one of the areas he really talked about it was, is, and we've had this exact same conversation on previous shows. So it's kind of interesting to hear him say it from the same, you know, in maybe a little bit different terms, but still same kind of message. What kind of player, like what kind of offensive season will Noah Cates have? What step is next for Morgan Frost? How does Sean Couturier come back? Can he stay healthy? And he, basically the, the answer that he's trying or the, what he's trying to give in saying that is, is, what happens if all three of them turn out to be something that fits something big here? You know, what if Couturier returns to form? What if Frost turns out to be more of an offensive center than a defensive center? What if Cates has that offensive gear in him? And what happens all of a sudden if now you've got three legit centers that you know you want to utilize in big roles that can take that step for the rest of the season? Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and going forward, too, in the build. Sure, and, and looking further down the, the roster, you know, if, if Carter Hart shows up and is the goalie that we expect him to be, you know, and I know we're, we may be playing with a lot of ifs and buts here, but do I think the Flyers are going to be a good team this year? No, I do not. 
Do we think they're going to make the playoffs? No, not really. Nobody mm-hmm. here is saying that. Right. But if things go well, if things go if honestly if things fall into place, frankly, I think we're setting ourselves up for a little bit of disappointment because it's the kind of team that we've complained about for the last decade. That it falls <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> right, the kind of team that finishes 10th in the conference and picks a medium talent 13th or whatever it is. And it's a little different again because I do think mm-hmm. that uh, Danny Breer is actively looking at options uh, to make the roster worse, right? And those options include potentially tr- trading Travis Konechny that's still on the table. It, eventually, at some point, at the trade deadline. Right. Um, but I, I do think Danny Breer is still working to make the roster a little bit worse at the moment because that's how <laughs> you get that premium talent. But... If, you, if a couple of things align, then this team can put together more wins than I'll be happy with. Well, let's let's talk about something for a second in like in, in, in a very this is because it was a very this was a very honest conversation. that was part of what Tortorella said almost immediately. And it's the concept because we've talked a lot about the defensive structure. Right. And who's going to play defensively and all that kind of stuff. And. Tortorella flat out said there's going to be some nice, especially with the younger defensemen they have, or the idea that there's going to be a lot of younger defensemen potentially on the roster. Sure. His answer, you know, his answer is there's going to be some nights where it's a complete horror show. Oh yeah. And no, and it's nice to hear like, instead of us speculating, well, yeah, if you're going to put, you know, in addition to, you know, the group that's coming back, Sandheim, Ristolainen, in York, you know, Sean Walker's the, one of the newcomers yep. and you, you know, Mark Stahl's a newcomer, and you've got a whole group, you know, and then maybe, but if you, you know, who knows? But if you put Rasmus Ristolainen with Mark Stahl, you're setting yourselves up for a bad night on defense. Well, not it's not really just that. It's, it's you want to, like, and one of the key things is I saw a lot with pairings right now um, early on that are favorable because it's usually a, a veteran with a kid, which yeah. works. Like, in, in the if, preseason, like, that's... Like, if you're, yeah. like, like, here's the thing. If you want to put Cam York with Rasmus Ristolainen, you're give, it's an experience. You're put, and yeah. you're putting York on the side you want him on on the left side. Ristolainen's going to be on the right, and yep. and you have that balance of those two. He Tortorella said he wants to start Sanheim on the right side, which okay. is interesting. He, but he said Sanheim says he sees the ice better from the right side. And let's be real, part of this only works. You know, Sanheim kind of needs to be a little, you know, a little more offensive. He needs yes. to have more of that offensive energy. That is, that is when he is at his best. And let's, sure. let's re- and let's remember how little he did of that last year, you know, in terms of it was a struggle to score. Ugh. It was a struggle to get points it was for a long time. Sometimes. So, but now, now start thinking, now start thinking ahead and going, okay, so if you move Sanheim to the right side, now what do you, like, now what do you do? And a couple instant names that kind of come to mind are Igor Zamula playing next to him. Maybe, you know, maybe Emil Andre, who is... I was just looking up Emil Andre's Elite Prospects page because I wanted to talk about him. Let's talk... Well, because we we really do need to talk about him because this kid is very impressive early on. He's His poise is outstanding. He's got really great... You know, he's really good at reading situations. He's, he's making mistakes, and everybody's making mistakes. It's camp. It's... You're, you're working through stuff all the time, and you're going to work through stuff cause, anyway because he's 21 years old. Yes. He's, he's young. Yep. That's and and that's really young at the defensive position because usually I, those guys right. are taking longer. But he's, you know, when you think about like what what kind of player he is because he's not he's not big. Like he's no. not big height-wise. He's five, a small nine. guy. I think I think 59 five, 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 yeah, 59 five, five, nine, nine. and like and, in the mid 180s like he's not huge. But this 
But this kid's got broad shoulders, doesn't get pushed around, has really, you know, and listen, that has that's, experience in a men's league. Bingo. It's that's Bang. the Swedish league for you. It's and not he's just playing professionally. And not just experience, success. He sure. was a solid player at the Swiss men's level. And absolutely. I expect him to probably start the season in Lehigh Valley. And I don't know. Obviously, that is subject to change. We are still pretty early in camp here. Um, probably starting in Lehigh Valley. But I expect him to adjust very, very well. And I expect him to look very comfortable very quickly. And at this point, I he looks like... He's going to be one of your first call-up options if you need a call-up option. So here's what I will say about Assuming Emil he doesn't Andre. make it. Right. Well, here's what I will say. Exactly. And here's what I'll say about Emil Andre. I am 100% confident he will debut at some point this season. It's going to happen. Absolutely. It's The question is how soon. When. Yep. And there. let's put it this way. Early on, early impressions of him, he's going to be one of your final cuts. Yep. He's going to be there. Honestly, Tortorella is going to take a nice long He's look going out. to be there through probably the final preseason game. He might make got, the roster. He always oh, got a great shot of making yep. the roster. The key is just how they want to use it because a, a good question and Tortorella didn't have a complete answer for it yet because again, it's it's got to play out. They haven't played a preseason game yet, obviously. So like let's get to that first. But you know, what's what are the odds that they carry eight defensemen? Because Go through well. Go through the list, and you sit there and go, "Okay, you got the obvious, a handful of obvious players who have like not have to make it, but you know what I mean. Who are right. going to probably make it because of the fact that they are, you know, that they're just established veterans. And they're on so contract, you know, right? Well, Sanheim, Ristolainen, and York is going to make it, yep. even though he's part of the younger core that you're trying to build. So York is going to make it. Sean um, Walker got, is going to make your final roster. I don't know if he starts, no, but he may, I think he makes your roster. Sean Walker is going to need to have a competitive camp. It's okay. just, you know, he's probably right now, I would say like, yes, he's got the upper hand right now. Now, if there's enough kids that push, then, and I don't think there's any guarantees for anybody. Now, the question you have to ask, though, is like in Walker's case, in Nick Sealer's case, you put those guys on waivers. Somebody's probably coming along. And that's why I Sealer especially. Probably... Sealer makes less than a million dollars. Sealer's going to get claimed. But that's why I think he probably makes your roster. Um, Walker, maybe... you could possibly get away with because of the fact that it's more than it's a two million dollars. It's fair. over two million dollars. Not a lot of teams. Once you get to that point, are sitting there with that much. Yeah. So, you know, there's a possibility yeah, there. But Arizona still needs players. Oh, I hear you, but you know what I mean. I'm just saying. So you've you've got that and. And, and here's the cool thing, too, because this is another good point that Tortorella made or something interesting that Tortorella said was Mark Stahl's not going to play every game. He's not no. going to block the kids. And, but, but it's good to hear almost immediately. Right you know, it's good, to, yep. it's good to hear. Well, not he just, doesn't, not just he doesn't have a 900-game Ironman streak. You know, well, yeah, but it's, good, it's, right, but it's good to hear right away instead of, like, giving the idea that just because this guy went to the Stanley Cup final last year, just because he's a stall, just because he's, you know, been around the block for – Let's face it, 1,101 a career long games. long time. You know, yeah. 1,101 career games. When you hear established vet. Like. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like the whole point is just coming right out and saying that makes a difference for people to know, listen, it does, it's not going to – The gonna, attitudes are different this year. Right. It's just not going to – just knowing it's not going to get in the way, knowing that it's going to be something where you know going in, you know – he, you know, you know, going in, he's going to be 
pushed aside for somebody who is much more part of the future. And listen, you're going to give Stahl a fair amount of games to play, just like you're going to give course. Walker a fair amount and Sealer a fair amount, because at the end of the day, you have the potential with any of those guys to move them later. Some sure. like Sealer's the perfect candidate to go. And Absolutely. as much as you can, and look, you can love him all you want to as a pro and like coming and preparing and doing the right things and trying, you know, competing hard and all of that type of stuff. He's not going to be in your top six long-term by any stretch. He wasn't to begin no. with. Like the only reason he ever was is because of injury. You know, it, that's not going to change. So, right. so there you go. So at this point, that's where everything stands with that. I mean, you got a lot more defensemen than just the ones we've talked about. Because, you know, Emil Andre is one, obviously, and he'll get a really good look. Samul is part of this. Adam yep. Jenning is one of one of these players who is in there. And by the way, for all the fans listening, because and and for you as well, Kyle, because you want you want to know this as well. It yeah. is it's Jenning. It's Jenning. Okay. Well, almost with like a little bit. We were talking about this today. Almost, almost with a little bit of a um, like an Alexi Jitnik kind okay, of like pronunciation. A but it is a soft sound, so it's it is not yinning, which is what yinning is more of what the Swedish pronunciation should be. But he has said it's it's yinning. Man, if oh. he ever if he ever ends up in Pittsburgh, he's gonna be Adam Yinzing so so quick. <laughs> That's <laughs> really good. Um, so you got, but so you got him. You got Ronnie Adderd. You you know, there's a lot of there's a names. lot of guys. There's yeah. a lot of guys that have to get a look. Simple well, and, as that. And the great news is from from an organizational standpoint. Whoever doesn't make the roster, the the, sorry, I'm so used to calling them the Philadelphia Phantoms, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, yes. are going to have a very motivated top pair. Sure, right? oh whoever, my goodness, yes. like if it is Jenning and uh, Zamula, well, those boys are going to be hungry. Zamula is a very unique case to this group because he's no longer waiver exempt, so that okay. is a very big deal. Because and I think that probably gets him on your roster. I think he has an upper hand. Like he's probably because of that, he's got an upper hand over Adderd right now. I, I absolutely agree. And and that's not to say like I liked yesterday. I liked Adderd's scrimmages. I think he sure. he's another guy who I think looks bigger. He's well, another guy who has he's still got the good skating. He's still doing a lot of the right things, and he's standing out at times. But well, I don't and, know if he's going to do enough with that situation. And we'll get a good chance for these guys to learn. We'll figure it out. What's better, 13 minutes at the NHL level or 19 sure. minutes at the AHL level? Exactly. And, and whoever doesn't get you know 12 or 13 at the NHL level is going to get big fat minutes in Lehigh Valley, and that's good for both guys. Well, something to consider too is like you've you've got twenty you know twenty one defensemen who are on the on the roster technically in training camp, and there's some easy you know there's really easy ones to pull back from and things like that. Sure, you know. again the recent draft picks and et cetera. Well, down to like three of them are guys you drafted this year, you right? Know? And I right. mentioned I mentioned Mateo Mann as one of the guys who because he was injured and that's that kind of takes him out of play pretty easily. But Oliver Monk is going to go back to London. Yep, and. You know, and you got Carter Sutherland, who's another one who's he's going to go back to juniors. Like it's part that's part of the equation. Well, that just dropped your number by three before you even had a chance. Before you're really even thinking about it, right? Right. And then and then you've got some of the obvious guys, sure. like like guys who played for the Phantoms last year, who are probably going to be Phantoms this year. Like like one of your favorite names, Louis Belpedio. Louis Belpedio. Um, hey, Adam, yeah. You know, Adam Karashik is probably going to go back to the fan. Like you can make some easy deductions before you yeah. get into the real guys who are. Well, going to compete. You know, another interesting one who's going to fall into this is Helge Granz. Like, yeah, you, you got him as a prospect essentially in this in the trade involving Ivan Provorov. 
Um, I believe he is actually. Yes. Okay. If he's waiver exempt, I think you start him in Lehigh Valley. But he's got a lot less. You know, he's got a lot more leeway than a yeah. you know than than Zamula does for sure. Yes. I mean, Zamula's. You know, that's the t- it's really that's a tough part with him. He's you know, Grons is also like Grons is two years younger than Zamula is. Like, there's a you know, Zamula's kind of if they're in an is... interesting spot this year. Well, and I was just thinking about it, and we've seen a couple. Uh, very small moves from around the NHL, you know, Casey to Smith, Tanner Pearson, that whole deal. Sure. Um, if there is a smallish move like that involving the Flyers, I could see Zamula being a piece. If if he's if there's a team out there that's kind of ready for that, then I I think possibly. Yeah, I just it's just one of those things that I could see a team that needs a spot, right? Like a I mean, like a Detroit. Right. It's it's possible. I don't want to go too far with it. I mean, we'll, that's fair. We'll, we'll see. I mean, the, the the big thing out of that is that they've got like, yeah, I just eliminated a handful of names, but they've got pretty big open competition. I mean, you're talking about sure. outside of the. Well, there's a lot of spots to fill, right? Like because... well, outside of the three guys I said that like pretty much are right. no doubters in Sanheim, Ristolainen, Ristolainen. And, and York. Like and yes, like I'm not trying like and uh, all right, put Stall in there as a four, as, there. As, as a four. Like and I'm not saying it means Sealer's his role not, is four. Right. Sealer's not going anywhere. Right. I, you know, I get it. And then, but you probably have three at the start anyway. Three defensive spots. Sean Walker's kind of got to have one, and to an extent, so does Zamula because yep. then you're playing with that. So is it really only one spot that's available? And how do you kind of go about your calls, call or call ups? I mean, like later on, you know, and things like that, and like. Again, maybe you maybe you don't have to, you know, maybe some, you know, not that you're wishing for it, but maybe somebody gets hurt and then it's an easier way to do this. Sure. I don't know. I mean, listen, if they really feel like they want they want to, they can put Zamula on waivers if they feel like that's the right course of action. You just got to be prepared for the fact that you may lose him for nothing. You're fairly likely to. I would right. Say. I would say it's got a lot of potential. I mean, well, and that's that's why the question of Walker is a really interesting one, because. Walker's got to compete too, and I, as much as I think he's probably in the top six of this defensive core, it, it, at least today, if you see kids who you think have pushed him enough, then you know he, he, maybe he's the guy you put on waivers just because it's a little bit more likely to pass through than a Zamula or a Nick Sealer because they don't make as much money and they're probably an easier fit for for teams and things like that. I mean, you got the same kind of thing, and we've talked about this a little bit already. You got the same kind of thing going with your goalies. Yep. You know, you've got, you know, Danny Breer already said it. And, and like, look, before we go any further with this part of it, the question was already asked to both Breer and Carter Hart about everything going on. And, that, and basically they can't answer anything. Briere did say, Briere did at least say we thought it would have been out there a long time. Like it was right. supposed to be out there or that was the impression. It's not right now. There's nothing the, we can do. Right. right. And right now. And so right now he's the number one goalie. Simple yeah. as that. Like Absolutely. that's the way it is. And Carter said the same thing. Like, can't talk on it. He wish, you know, wishes he could, you know, and that's all there really is to it right now. And I know that that's frustrating for yep. fans and for a lot of reasons. You know, like because again, it's if he's not involved, then we just want to know that. Able to move, well, you just want to be able to move on. If he is involved, then obviously there's things that have to happen, and you just want answers. But beyond Carter Hart being the current number one, you know, outside of all of that, obviously, right. You've got to you've got to get a backup, and yeah. among the backup options, you've got three guys who have played in the NHL. You know, yep. you've got Sam Harrison, you've got Felix Sandstrom, and you've got Cal Peterson. And and much like you're going to have a motivated top pair in Lehigh Valley, I think you're going to have a very motivated goaltending 
situation in Lehigh Valley. The only thing about the goaltending is you have a very clear-cut, easy way to navigate it without losing anybody. And the way okay. that you do that is Sandstrom gets the backup up. job, and Peterson gets put on waivers with a $5 million contract that nobody's going to touch. And goes and touch. plays in Lehigh Valley. Right. right, and that nobody's going to touch, and Harrison's able to go through waivers. Right. So it's easy. Here's the problem. I don't know if Sandstrom's going to be the clear-cut number two from this competition because well, it was already because it was already said it's open competition. Yeah, but I feel like the organization is kind of on the same page and that page is keeping as many good assets as possible even if it is at the expense of winning necessarily. Like we talked about putting the worst roster available up and mm-hmm. I think We're part of that is that. And I well, okay, but you know what I mean. And I think yes, part, I do. part of that is telling Sam Urson to, you know, rent a rent a house in Allentown. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that's the thing, right? Like, probably if you're going, if like just from last year, you know, it's and and here's the thing too. It's really hard to evaluate goaltending completely. Like, let's just wait. In one of the, like one of the scrimmages on Saturday, Peterson made a couple of really great saves. I mean, he had he sure, had a, he's still a good goalie. He had well, and here's he, he's a, he's also let's put it way he's also very unique because Peterson is not you know he's also a right-handed catch. Not too many so it, of those, right? It's very he's the only one in camp like that, so that makes a difference right off the bat, right? Like. He, so it makes it makes him easy to identify. I mean, like we got some, you know, we're we're trying to watch these goalies. They're the only players in the camp that they don't put the numbers on their back. So you're kind of doing guesswork here. And the two easiest goaltenders to tell are Peterson and Bjarnason because Bjarnason is wearing the, you know, the most basic equipment possible. He's got no painted mask, nothing. He's just got a solid white mask, like a prospect. And <laughs> and Peterson's the only one that catches right-handed, so hmm. you can identify him. Now, and, and that's the interesting thing is like when you approach a goaltender like that, it's a, it's different when you're a shooter. It's different. So Absolutely. he made he made a glove save on Scott Lawton that I'm sure in any other situation, Lawton would probably tell you it was I'm trying to go blocker side sticks, you know, stick side, Turned put it, you know, side. well, I know. And it's glove side. And he just gave yeah. him a good old windmill right there and just said, here you go. You know, you know, how thanks, do you do, do, Well, a good old how do you do right yeah. there, you know, and that kind of thing. So there you go. Um, but I don't know, like, it, it's hard to evaluate the goaltending in scrimmage, kind of like, of course, it, it, the, the simple answer is going to be, and I don't know who's going to get like, let's be, let's be real about something when it comes to this, if they don't need anything from Carter Hart in terms of where he stands on the team, he's probably not going to play in many preseason games as a result. Like, I think that's the correct answer. At this well, point. if, if you're going to split at least for the first three to three, four, maybe even five preseason games. Sure. If you're going to split them down the middle and be like, okay, this guy gets two periods versus one or half the Period game and, and whatever, right. you know, however you want to do it. It's, it's usually easier to do the two, one thing to do two periods and then one, because then at least it gives the goaltenders kind of a finite, you know, Hey, listen, you're, you're playing the first two periods. So the guy who's backing up that night at that moment, gets the intermission to kind of warm himself up versus coming in cold in the middle of a period. I feel like sometimes they agree to blow the horn in the middle of the period and actually just swap the goalies. Like I, um, I know I've seen that before. You know what it is? It's not that they agree to do that. It's they usually, I think in the preseason teams who are on, usually both teams are on that schedule at the same time. And usually there's almost like there's this, 
as if the goalie has been instructed who started. Hey, cover it up. It's cover it up as soon as possible after halfway. Right. And and be so we can make this change because usually, like, I've never seen it be a situation where you knew that they were splitting the goalies like that exactly okay. halfway down the middle, and and it go like more than a minute past the halfway point of the period. Okay. You know what I mean? It's never been like that. Like it's like it's a, it's a, that's, like that's it's not like when it's you an get unwritten to play rule. that goes to two minutes left. Like. Right. It's like it's an unwritten rule, which is okay. kind of interesting. Yeah, it's the preseason. Things are pretty casual in the preseason. So sure. And well. so. Anyway, so let's kind of get back you know to some what? of these. I was um, gonna say, you know what's not casual in the preseason? What's a that? John Tortorella practice. Oh, for sure. And well, like this is like it's it's been really interesting to watch his camp because this isn't even the way it was a year ago. Right. You know, they didn't. No, he really went into scrimmages like, right away. And for good reason. I mean, he yeah. talked about kind of having this ability to like listen, get this thing going right away, more competition. It, it kind of gives them more game action because he like, sure. like 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 we just said with the defenseman. There's a lot of guys you want to look at, and there's only six preseason games. So you're going to run out of time, essentially. I mean, like, let's be real. At the end of the preseason, you kind of want that very last preseason game to be probably be close to your top six. So you want to play Travis Sanheim and Rasmus Ristolainen in in that final preseason game. And Sanheim will play. And and that's not going to be the first game they play either. Like, all those guys are are going to get mixed in at some point. Now, by the way, speaking of those two specifically, by the way, there were some interesting revelations that were made about them that nobody seemed to know, apparently, because this was kind of like a talking point after the fact. So Travis Sanheim revealed himself, by the way, in his own availability that apparently, so not not anything this offseason. So before you everybody pushes the panic button on what I'm saying, it was a, this is from a, this is from last season. Yeah, he played after the 21, 22 season. He played in world championships. Yep. Canada went. I think they went all the way and they won the thing. But yeah. He in the semifinal game fractured his foot. Yep. And nobody seemed to know that. You know, and so obviously that changes your off season a little your bit. Entire like he said, he had to take six weeks off and he couldn't get sure. back into his routine. So that's in a fact. So there's a new that that was a new wrinkle that nobody seemed to know. Like, hey, by the way, he played and, and oh by the way, like played the next game. So the right. game left, he still played. So, so nobody f- knew. For all the people that Rightly, by the way, criticized Travis Sanheim for a very slow start. I think it was what no points through the first seven, something like that. And nobody knew, like nobody seemed, but nobody no knew one went through this. But no one knew that he was coming off essentially no summer, right? Where he showed then, up the training camp and that was his, you know, cardio. Right, and then and then you get this one where, and this was really this was really interesting because Ristolainen didn't say this, and we had talked to him right before Tortorella. And Tortorella said that he apparently this past summer had to go over for military service in Finland. That's funny. And, and so he didn't have a typical offseason either this year. So it's kind right. of really interesting to, you know, like, like that's just two little tidbits of like information that are kind of different about some that of those don't guys. Don't necessarily always get out there before but it was, camp. Sure, but it was, you know, but it was interesting to hear. And then you've got this like, kind of shift gears and go to the forwards because we've really been focusing heavy on the defenseman and for good reason i think the defenseman is going to be like like we've already kind of talked about this how you can kind of deduct who your forwards are going to be and don't get me wrong there's a handful of guys who like you're asking questions about and like okay who's gonna and and let's let's be real that's not only who's gonna have a shot at the uh you know who's gonna have a shot at the NHL roster, but we have to talk about the AHL roster as well because like that's a whole thing too. So it's both. It's this concept of both and trying to figure out who not only fits on the NHL roster, but who fits on your AHL roster. There's right. a lot of things to figure out. So 
as we're going through this here, like we kind of hit on a couple guys who like, oh yeah, they're obviously going back to juniors and stuff like that. But sure. but you but you look at a guy like like Elliot Desnoyers who's trying to possibly make an NHL roster, but who knows? Is he going to be more cut out for an AHL roster? They have a couple of guys who were really impressive in rookie camp. That well, rookie camp and have kind of actually like had moments in for the early part of well in the yeah. early part of training camp as well that are on AHL contracts only, which is really interesting because that means that like you're trying to carve out something like like the rookie games happened and Matt Brown had the first goal of the first rookie game. Nobody would know who the hell he is typically because because nope. he's not he's not even signed to a one like he's not even holding a contract spot spot for the Flyers specifically because right. right. he doesn't have an entry level deal. They had picked him up on a tryout, I think if, after uh, like he's he was an invite. He played at Boston University and had a really I mean that was his senior season and he had a really strong year because and by college standards obviously but of course right forty one you know or thirty nine games played. He scored 16 goals, had 47 points. That's Which a really good college, college year. Right. College, if you're unaware listening to this, is He's, notoriously low scoring, and point-per-game players tend to be very, rare. very good players. Well, and, and get this. He's undersized. He's only 5'8". So he's not exactly the standout kind of guy who gets, you know, all the attention in those college games. You, have a, you, you also have a guy, another college product, who also actually, like, so... The interesting thing with Brown is Brown did get it get a tryout, but never got into a game for the Phantoms. They also had a, a, a guy out of college who signed and did play a handful of games. The Phantoms, Brand, uh, Brendan Furry. Okay, Brendan Furry played for Minnesota State in college, another in a decent year. And again, putting into perspective, college numbers: thirty nine games, nine goals, twenty eight points. Nice, modest, very modest. Yeah, but then it made an impression in three. AHL games because he scored a goal and had three points. Okay, fair and, enough. And that was enough, much like having Brown around, that's enough to get you an AHL contract. So just guys to keep an eye on. That's all we're saying about that. But then you start to get into the territory of, you know, all of these forwards that are kind of on the bubble. And I'm not talking like, like, let's put it this way. Act like Tyson Forrester is making the team unless he does something that indicates he shouldn't. Absolutely. Act like Tyson, he's making Tyson it with Forrester has been has looked good from what because I hear. Because he is I haven't probably, been going to practice. But but well and, and he's been like he hasn't been completely standout. He wasn't standout in the rookie games and he wasn't completely standout so far here. I mean he's had moments and, and, and also had an injury scare in the very first day of scrimmages, by the way, where he kind of went tumbling over, came up, was was dangling his right shoulder, and and, and anybody who knows anything about his history knows Shoulder injury has well, a shoulder injury has been part of his injury history in the past. So you want to be careful about that. And he he's been out there every day since. In fact, the only real other situation that was going on to this point injury wise on the main club, other than the two guys I talked about, were Travis Konecki did not practice on Sunday, and Torrella said they're probably holding out him out on Monday as well, just to give Fair him enough. one more day. They have an off day Tuesday, so there's no maybe, reason to rush anybody. Maybe that means he plays on Wednesday. We'll see. Um, he's not the type of guy that necessarily needs, needs the preseason games anyway. So it's not like it's a huge deal. Um, but if anything else, I mean, you can take that if you're looking for the idea of trying to figure out what kind of lines there could be connect me was on a line with Couturier and Tippett, which from the very beginning, as soon as you see a group like the trio like that, you go, that looks like an NHL line. 
That was so there you NHL go. Top six line. Well, you got that one. You had Forrester with uh, Forrester with Noah Cates and Scott Lawton. That looks very legit. Um, I'm let's, trying to figure there was one more. About, let's talk about uh, the other line. What's that? At least some of the people on that other line. Oh, sure. Well, that's where I was going with it because this was yeah. one of the other ones. The other one, this was – so this line was Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost, Cam Atkinson, which also looks like an NHL line. That sure looks like an NHL line depending on if you think Morgan Frost is kind of ready to take that next step right. into now, the NHL top six. Now this is, And this is where things get kind of interesting too because I want you to think about this for a second. If I go through this group of forwards for you for a second to kind of put together a, a top 12, and four lines for you. So I gave you the the concept here. Konechny, Couturier, Tippett, or, you know, Forrester, Cates, and, um, oh God, I already forgot who I said who it was. Oh, Lawton. 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 was on that one. And then, again, you had the one with Atkinson, so it was Farabee, Frost, Atkinson. Now you kind of, and that, that basically is your top three. You know, that's yeah. your three, that's your three lines that have some scoring potential to, an, you know, whatever. And then you go to. Oh, guess who's back. Well, no. Then you go to the fourth. Any, any get, well, you know two of the players who are on the fourth, probably, right off the bat. Because they were part of the fourth, or kind of part of the fourth last year. Or, well, not really. No, 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 I'm sorry. One one of them was, and the other two should be pretty easy fill in the blanks. Oh, we got good old Nick Delorier. So Nick Delorier is the one that you already know because you've already right. seen it. Yeah. The other two are, I don't want to, well, one, I don't want to say one of them is prototypical fourth, but that's where he's got to go considering the other three. And the other one is an absolute prototypical fourth line guy. Okay. So it's the two newcomers. It's Garnet Hathaway and Ryan Paling. Yep. And but here's the interesting part. Now you have to ask yourself, where does that leave Wade Allison and Tanner Lazinski? Who are very much as as Tortorella put it, with Allison specifically, in a dogfight. Yep. You see what kind of battles you got brewing up here? And then you see then you see how for a guy like Elliot Denoyer or for Ula Lixel or whatever. It's going to be hard. You have to jump over. No, but right. it's going to be hard. And yep. and here's the thing. Torts has loved what Hathaway has brought. Torts has loved. I'm sure he has. Uh, well, that yeah, least surprising ever. No, but what I will say about Hathaway is, is for a guy who has never really had to be that level of leader, because while being a veteran player, I mean, look at the systems he's played oh, in, whether, whether being part Washington of Boston system. or been, yeah, playing for Boston for a couple oh. of months last year. You know, and and like right away, the, like, le- the you, leadership groups like, on both of those but, teams. But you ask him, but that's the thing. You ask him about playing for leaders, and he, he turned out <sighs> even said he said we'd be here all day if I told you everybody. But he, but he did he's, obviously he's, mention the two guys who you can think of by name. Right, he's played Ovechkin. for some of the the best leaders in right. NHL. So he history. obviously mentioned Ovechkin and Bergeron. Yeah, you know, despite with, the fact that like with Backstrom and Krejci not too far behind, I imagine Backstrom Krejci, the you know right. new Bru- new Bruins captain Brad Marchand, you know, and like Carlson Chara. Oh, no, he didn't see Chara, but. Like, just everybody. Oh, wait a minute. Did he get a little bit of time with Chara when he was in Washington, though? Oh, Chara played in Chara Washington at the tail end, so Man, maybe he I gotta, didn't play under Chara. I got to write that down for Puck Doku. I forget that he went to Washington. <laughs> yes, Man. But but it's interesting, But because for, for a guy who hasn't really had to be that leader, he talks like one. I mean, well, he's, he, he's, he's learned doing, from the best. Right. I'm I'm preparing to. I've kind, I've kind of spaced apart, like, like. I now you know here here we go shameless plug time because I've written a hand I've written by the way I told you like I think I said on the last show it's been a, it was a little bit of a like I need to get back into the rhythm of this kind of thing and writing again and stuff like that 
nothing like the start of training camp to do it for you because there was a ton to talk about. That'll so, juice you up. So I are like we're on we're gonna be on Katuria Atkinson here for a second. I already yep. wrote about them and, and that's, I'm gonna pull that up right now actually to get into some of what they had to say and Tortorella had to say. I wrote something about Mark Stahl. I wrote something about the scrimmaging background and what that does. One of the things I have listed to like as a get to point is is Hathaway. And um I have a few others that I kind of have picked some things apart on that I want to get to as well. I know I wanna there, there were some really good things said about Noah Cates and Morgan Frost today specifically that I wanted to write about probably going forward. So you got them. Um, just things like that. So there's a lot of things to talk about. And Hathaway probably that like everybody else we spoke to that day probably was maybe, you know, maybe three, roughly three minutes, four minutes of time. And that was really all that was needed or whatever. Hathaway was near 10 minutes Whew. and just couldn't say enough things about about the way, you know, the way that camp has been, the idea of being a leader, you know, the opportunity, all of it. And, you know, because let's, let's be real about it. He, at his age, you kind of do like, like we did this when he signed, it's kind of a little bit of like, listen, you just played the last two months of your career on the best regular season team that we've ever seen. Right. And now you're going to the rebuilding flyers. You're what kind of influence is that? Yep. But what kind of influence is that? Because you were a free agent. You could really go anywhere. And you're not going to tell me that there were other teams that were possibly looking for a player like you. Sure. You know, Prob- so they what- probably weren't willing to pay quite what the Flyers were willing to pay. Maybe, but probably. But what? But what? But that's yeah. whatever. I but mean, that's, it, that's like, the you, whole point of being a rebuilding team you know, is right. you got them here. You now, what can decision. you do with them? So, you know, and the fun part was so I wrote about Couturier and Atkinson specifically to go to those guys. I yeah. wrote about them on uh, I post like, I posted the article on Friday morning, which was nothing you know to that point, no pucks. The entire first day no of training pucks. camp is the John Tortorella <laughs> skating gauntlet. Yep, which it's basically just the scene from Mirror. Which, by the way, did, I, I I don't know if you, I'm sure you saw all these quotes by now. The whole story with the rope and things like that. Yeah, because that was I mean that's it just takes rope everywhere. I mean he. That and that's the thing. Like, there are days where Tortorella is not in the mood to sit down and answer questions or do things like that. But when this he day, is, he's funny. He can be. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Dude's like, got real humor. He was on television for a reason. He. It's because it's got to come. It, it. It's a little bit you know because it's a little snarky. It's a little dry. It's a little everything. And but he. You know, let's put it this way. There's. You can see hints of where there's a difference between him and Mike Babcock, for example, right? Like. And I had to throw him in there because obviously that was the uh, that was the only story that was worth talking about around the rest of the yeah. league, other than camp starting. Hashtag Biz like, was right. Yeah, for real. I I mean, I'm not saying that I doubt like I doubted it, but like you never know with some of that type of stuff. Like right. it, it, it can become a very big like he said, she the, said kind of thing. That story got real crazy real quick. Yeah, but kudos to like the players' association for stepping in and really investigating it, not just and, and from what letting heard- it blow over. And from what I've heard, the players are very, very, very happy with their new union president, Marty Walsh, and how he handled and how he handled the whole situation. And I, I think also not to go off on too much of a tangent with this, but I do think that the players in Columbus are also very happy that this is resolved before camp ever really got going. In case you missed it somehow, by the way, if you're listening to the show, I don't know how you could have possibly missed it. Mike Babcock phone gate. Mike Babcock hired and fired in the same – I'm sorry, well, resigned in the same summer 
uh, before a single game was played over right. some alleged information, uh, some alleged phone uh, borrowing, shall we say? <laughs> um, and yeah, so if you want to look more into it, uh, at biznasty two point <laughs> on Twitter. Paul's been t- on an absolute heater for like two weeks straight. Well, and let's put it this way too: like the first couple of like the first few days of camp, by the way, and this is you know in the same way that Biz was talking about it. This is a great way to look at it too. We're up watching the first couple of days of training camp, and you've got – we're going to touch on another piece of news then because I'm going to mention his name, and I'm going to have to say what the news of this was. But Scott Hartnell was there. Todd Fedorik is there. Now, Scott Hartnell, by the way, is not a surprise because Hartnell's kind of been around the broadcasts a little bit. He's Hartnell, by the way, is going to be the fill-in for Boucher whenever Boucher's doing national. Okay. Hartnell's also going to do pre and post on but, NBC. But, but Todd Fedorik, I haven't heard that name in quite a while. Why was he well, hanging around, Kevin? Well, so he's the new radio color guy. and Love it. Now, here's the thing. You haven't heard the name in a while. Well, here's here's where kind of how he had maybe an upper hand on that job. He did do games in the minors okay. for the Phantoms for a while. So he's done. It's not like he's never done a game before. It's just. It's, oh, man. Just, just another former flyer getting promoted within the organization, man. <laughs> he was around. OK, so Fridge was around for the first handful of days of camp. You, if you hang around with him for 15 minutes, you'll understand why they picked him to. And I'm not going to use sure. the word. Well, I'm not going to use the word replace because there is no replacing. But why he's the next in line to Coatsy. Okay. Because this dude's funny. Oh okay. man, is is he funny as anything? And and it's see, he's got now, and he's now got I some just stories. Gotta, now I just want to go look up old Coatsy's corner segments and see if Todd Fedorik was in any of them. <laughs> I don't know if, and I don't even know if Fedorik was completely like that. You know, like, like Back there the is something. Yeah. Well, there is something that happens when you stop playing and become and realize you're a millionaire. Well, no, when you stop, when you stop playing and you realize, kind of like now, like your your biggest asset, kind of in a way, is the storytelling. Is the hockey More career you just finished right? And and well, and 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 you kind of feel. I guess I think you feel a little bit more freedom to share those Tell experiences in a different way because now you're not. Like if you're, you're no longer same, in, well, the, in, the in the fraternity, the same, well, and especially if you're in the same boat as like a, like Fedork or like Hartnell at this point, where most of the guys you played with aren't playing either, right. you know, right? Like, it's it's pr- it's getting like pretty think, safe to tell some stories. Well, like like you think Scott Hartnell can share some stories about playing with Chemo Team in both in Nashville Whoa. and in Philly because he's no longer playing too. Like I yeah, can't, of course. I, I want to hear the first interview Scott Hartnell gives after Claude Giroux retires. <laughs> I'm sure that's when the gloves really come off. Come on now. Wayne's on his way out. Jake is possibly so, done. Claude's oh, kind of oh, the last no, no, one no. left. I, I, hold on. Wow. We're really hitting all of the little footnotes. Say Jake is most definitely done. Oh, he Jake, is actually done. Okay. Well, not officially announced it, but okay. apparently th- you'll laugh at this. Cause I, I was just about to bring this player up and now I'm going to bring him up for a totally different reason than I thought I was going to, because here's the thing. I was going to sit there and say, what then? What can Hartnell say about Yarmir Yager, who's actually still playing, right? 51 years old, entering his 35th professional season. Oh, Cladno yes. legend. So, okay. Who else is from Cladno? Oh, um, I know you this. Just, well, yeah, it's, you know, um, it's, but you just it's, said it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who is it? Tell me. Help me. It's Jake. It's Jake. Right, right, right. I Jake forgot he was from Cladno. Okay. Who Elliot Friedman tweeted today is his new, is Yager's new assistant coach. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I missed that, and that is awesome. So, so 
you can kind of take that as an unofficial retirement announcement. So I mean, speak. and we kind of knew that already. Um, we talked, you about know, it, on the it show is what it, it is. Yeah, we talked but, about it on the show when it happened. But Jake, but Vorchak that was what is, I was laughing. I was like, yeah. imagine the stories you can tell once Yager retires. I mean, Yager's Man. not playing in the NHL. I get it, but imagine the stories you can tell when Yager retires. Man, yeah, Whenever the that stories is. we when, when know. When is he going to? Re- but also, the, when is he going to retire? I mean, this dude's going to probably play until sixty potentially. The stories we know. The stories we know of Yaromir Yager are wild. I can't <laughs> imagine the stuff that we don't know. It's amazing. It's so good. I, um, but anyway. I want to. I want to hear a hot one style interview. Yes, with that would be with great. Yaromir Yager there, with Mark Andre Fleury there, and with okay. Sergey Bobrovsky there. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah. That, let that's, it, that's, let that's it go. Let it go. But either way, so but so anyway, the point I was trying to make by bringing up Fedoric and yeah. all that stuff was so you have a couple of, like while we're powwowing around and watching the first couple of days of training camp, you've got a few ex NHL players who are up there and and then would have the I- ability to kind of relate to a story like this because you play for different coaches over your career. You kind of you know what works and what doesn't for you and works for other teammates and what can affect like the difference whatever and like. This was a big talking point for guys who used to play because it's it, like that's why Biz was probably all over it too because it's it's not a matter of whether you play right now it's right. even if you used to play it's like this isn't like in some cases this isn't okay like it's one thing to sit there and say show me a picture off of your phone right and it's, print and out it's also, some pictures and bring them in well and it's also one thing to say something along the lines of you know to talk to Boone Jenner or Johnny Gaudreau and say hey listen I know you have families show me pictures of your family and then grab the phone of you know and I'm not like I'm not trying to say there would be anything necessarily to hide but grab the phone of Adam Fantilli right and say you just got out of college you're 19 years old 18 19 years old what's on your phone you know and 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 trying to and piecing together and and making assumptions about people sure. through things like that too. Like at some point in time, you got an 18, 19 year old kid who you're going to now treat differently because of the way that you're doing this exercise. Sure, that's not the right, most. What if, what if you find? What if you find out something dramatic? What if there's an NHL player who's in the closet and and his coach grabs his phone and figures exactly, out that he is no longer, you know. And that's that exactly is, a point that was brought up. Exactly right. the point. And it, like you, you, you grab a guy's phone and see Grinder on there. It's like, oh well, all right. I guess I know this information now. Right. And like, it's it's just not it's not fair to the player. It's sure. It's an it's an abuse of power, frankly. And exactly. I think With, oh, the, it is. It's it's such a power struggle. Like it's it's a power well, play, and it's a it's a. And I think the single most surprising element of this story. Is that Yarmo Kekalainen appears like he's going to keep his job? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I'm stunned. Well, here's the thing. I don't think, like, I'm not trying to say he gets off scot free, but no way does he. Does but, nobody in the organization above him care? I mean, they, well, they didn't bring him out alone to talk about it, so John Davidson <laughs> has to a little bit, but still, like, but like, the interesting part is, is like, like, listen, and this is where I understand some things. You can go off of your own knowledge of the person that you hire. I get sure. that. Like, listen, Yarmo obviously knows background on Babcock to an extent because right. Babcock's he, been he around. knows the like, Mitch Marner you know. story. And, well, at well, well, and not only that, but it's it's not just that part of it. It's like Babcock played at one point. Yarmo right. played. 
I'm sure you cross paths with people. Like, like guys don't have hockey careers as long as they do after playing. And the NHL and not is a very, everything. a very small circle. I mean, let's put it this way: you're talking about like between between Yarmo and Babcock and John Davidson. You got three people. They're three former players in their own right, different eras. You know, that's that's certainly a thing. But different, you know. Would Babcock have been with the Wings in the same division as the Blue Jackets? Um. Not at the time I think he okay. was coaching, okay. just because I think that, that that realignment didn't really happen. You know, well, I mean, I, Babcock coached the Wings to the Cup in 07, 08, and 08, 09. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Does Yarmo go back with the Blue Jackets that far? I don't think, not, not as I far just as... Cur- I'm just curious if they were ever in the same division. Not as far as 08, 09. I, I, yeah. I want to say, like, I'm not looking it up, so off the... Like, no, that's off, fair. But off the top of my head, I, th- I think Yarmo's had the job for something like nine years. Okay, okay. Yeah, but he's, again, he's a, it's a, I, it's I a do small, remember the NHL is a small world, and they they've met right. each other. Oh yeah, like well, they're... here's the, here's the thing. Without a shadow of a doubt, I know that I saw something that said Yarmo is the third longest tenure general manager in the league. Okay, so do with that what you will, but like he's been around for a long time. In well, that I wonder if that's before or after um, the Nashville change. That's interesting. I didn't yeah. think about that. I'm trying to think of where else there wouldn't be like a big change. I mean. I don't feel like Lou has been in with the Islanders for that long. It just feels like it. It does. Um, yeah, sure, it feels like it. Well, um, and it, he did business twenty uh, years ago. You know what? Like forty miles down the turnpike. I mean, the other guys. I'm like the only other ones I'm thinking of. I mean, Don Sweeney's been in Boston for a good chunk of time. That could mm. be a guy who's been around for a while. L.A. Um, Rob, has Rob Blake been there for that long? Rob though? Blake's been there for a while. I don't know if he's been there for nearly ten years. Don Waddell in Carolina. Okay, so hold on. So we're we're getting somewhere with this. So, um, Don Sweeney's had been the GM of the Bruins since tw- since the twenty fifteen sixteen season. Okay, which is which is pretty substantial. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, usually, yeah. You, usually the shelf life is four or five years. Not, not a whole lot of GMs get almost a decade. Oh, for sure. Um, I'll check Rob Blake for you because now you got me curious. Yeah. Um, But he's he you're right he's been around for a while he's been okay it says he was he's a member of the Kings front office in 2014. Uh, okay, so he didn't get. The um, right but away. let me see if it says when he actually became the general manager. Cap friendly should have it on the staff page. Uh, tw- or 20, 2017. Okay, so Blake was, so but this is interesting. I didn't know this. Rob Blake was the um general manager of Hockey Canada for the World Championships in 2014. And way before honestly, he was actually. And if you look at the team he inherited and what he's turned it into, I think Rob Blake's done a great job. Oh, he sure. Has I mean, set, he has set them up for post Dowdy Kopitar success very, very nicely. Well, they, they, yeah, they are an, they are a very interesting team. And that was know, not a situation they were in when he took that job. Oh, for sure. I agree with you. Um, here, let me see. Because now you're right. Cat Friendly has the whole list of like who got hired. When, oh, my goodness. Elite it's, Prospects it's so, will have it, too. Yeah. Okay, so let's see here. Present Doug Armstrong has been in St. position lo- in St. Louis for longer. Mm, okay. And and Kevin Dayoff with Winnipeg has been in position longer. And you know what? I am still stunned that he kept his job just after sure. his role in the Kyle Beach situation. And the fact, the fact that he yeah. pled he pled stupid on that is crazy to me. Yeah, so S- Sweeney is very close. Blake is close after that too. I mean, there's a couple. Like, there's only a handful of others that How are in the same How long has Don window. Waddell been in Carolina? Do you see uh, that right since there? 2018? Oh, really? Okay. Yes. 
I could have um, sworn it was before that. Okay. So the, the other ones that are kind of like in between those that group that we're talking about, because Lou, by the way, the next one after Waddell for reasons you, you, is Lou. Lou. Yeah, that's fair. He's been there a while. Um. Point. So Rob Blake was right below Waddell. Pierre Dorian for Ottawa is 2016. Man, it's crazy how the narrative yeah. on Pierre Dorian has flopped has, I or flipped, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, Three yeah. years ago, he was inept and stupid, and then we're like, wait a minute, maybe it was Eugene. <laughs> um, Don Sweeney was right. Was is the next one right for him? Brian McClellan for Washington since 2014, okay. and Jim and Jim Nil with Dallas since 2013. Okay. Um, wow, Jim Nil, 2013. Good for him. I mean, let's put it this way: once you get past, once you get past Lou, by the way, in terms of recency for guys getting GM jobs, you're looking at the switch from Iserman to Breezewell in Tampa. Iserman going to Detroit. Yep. Ken Holland taking over in Edmonton. Ron Francis basically immediately getting the Seattle job. I wonder. I wonder and then everybody else's recent changes. I mean, we're talking changes since. The start of 2019-20, which is only three, four seasons ago. Wow. So Jim Nill is the longest tenured? No, Jim Nill. No, Doug Armstrong's the longest Oh, Doug tenured. Armstrong. Okay, I'm sorry. So it was Armstrong, Dayoff, Yarmo, oh, okay, and then okay, Nill okay. is fourth, McClellan fifth, Sweeney sixth, Dorian seventh, Blake eighth, Waddell ninth, and Lamarillo tenth. That's crazy. So there you go. And then everybody else is like recent turnover. I mean, like at this point, like think about it. Just this past offseason alone, five new GMs were hired. Yeah, it's going to be a whole new league this year. <laughs> I mean, and and, and 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 for what it's worth, also, by the way, as far as I know, I don't know if it actually tells you this. No, it doesn't tell you this specifically. I'd have to click on their names, I guess, to get the full detail. But yeah, I'm pretty sure based off of just looking at this off the top of my head, three first timers. That is three, great to because, say. Because Friere is obviously a first time GM. Craig Conroy getting hired by Calgary is also a new hire. And then kind of a new hire, if you will, from a GM standpoint, is Trotz taking over in Nashville. That's a new general manager. So, so then the other two are Trilliving and Dubas? Exactly. Okay. Wow. But, yeah, yeah there. so there has been... And, I mean, if you want to, like, here's the, other, yeah. here's the other interesting thing. If you want to also go off of first-time hires from within the last two years, you've got... You've got Patrick Alvin in Vancouver, um, Dave, Kyle Davidson in Chicago, Mike Greer in San Jose. Like they're all new. Yeah, and I even even I think even Chris McFarland for uh, Colorado was relative, like as the successor to Sackick. Right, is also kind of a similar to Iserman and Breezeball. Yeah, it's... yeah, but, but that makes Breezeball a new one too. And, and, and you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, Breezeball. You got Bill Zito was a new GM hire when that happened. Like, you know, like there's there's been some new blood kind oh, of in yeah. this in this field and and you know now let's see what happens with that in coaching as well because obviously you know obviously well, you had the you, well you had the most um what's it called you had the most like among the most recycled names out there in babcock and you now know. he seems to be out for good so that's that's well here's thing. well the interesting part is that i be, like i believe like you yeah you go from yeah, because he was only he was an assistant with them, or he was an he was an associate coach, coach, the new coach of Columbus, Pascal Vincent. You know, technically that becomes a brand new hire, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, Pascal Vincent that, has entered the the coaching fraternity. But in the same sense as you see other assistants kind of moving forward, Luke Richardson gets a job, or Derek Lalonde gets a job, or you know, or or how about Marty San Louis? You know, it's, like it's there's weird. a new wave. It's weird to see Luke Richardson working his way through the coaching ranks. It's that's not. A, that's, it's not to me. No, I, I, I just mean like from remembering watching him play. Like it's just, it's just strange. But I, I, I again <sighs> want to repeat the number of ex Flyers who coach is like astounding. Well, and a name <laughs> who might join that list one day to kind of get us back on topic here uh, is Sean Couturier. 
could. Uh, he could. He, I think he's got a really good hockey mind. And I know every defensive center, you know, people say, oh, he'd be a great coach. But, like, it is true. I think Jean Couturier would be a great coach. He already owns a juniors team. So, you know, he is kind of in management already. Um, but before his management career takes off uh, full time, it seems as though he's going to attempt to resume his hockey career. Yeah. And I mean, uh, here's the here's the good news. And first of all, the good news is. I've been down there for four days now, and nothing of note has happened. That's the first good news. Nothing of note. Right. He he has not gotten hurt. And he's taken a little bit. Like, he's taken as as light of pushing as you can get in, like, scrimmage settings and things like that. Sure. You you can kind of tell that as – because – and this is the – like this is part of like this whole thing where it's like get him into a preseason game as soon as possible. And this is and this is kind of a point I wanted to make because we don't again we don't know the roster for Monday's preseason opener. Right. There's a really good chance that both Couturier and Atkinson are on it. Okay. And Couturier didn't specify how he completely wants to be used in the preseason. Atkinson, if if, if let's just wait, we'll see how tight Atkinson is with Tortorella because Atkinson basically on day one when when we talked about well, no, no, not being ready. Laid out the schedule he wanted to go off of in terms of how he felt like he wanted the preseason to go for him, and said his goal was like maybe four games, and he was you know maybe the first one in New Jersey, and then I'll do you know the three home games at the end. Okay. And I'm like, him and Torts have talked about it already. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they've talked about right. it. Will, I'm willing to bet it. If he's willing to come out and say exactly what games he's trying to play, well, I have that's, a feeling that's and not maybe the that's first why, time like, like that. let's just wait. It, what we said about Konechny is nothing like it's nothing serious that he missed a day or whatever. But maybe right. they don't care. Like if a right. guy like that has to miss a game when you know, like, okay, listen, so he doesn't play. So some, so next to Couturier and and well, because because this was something that was like kind of like that you kind of wonder is if if you're seeing a line that looks like you know Konechny Couturier Tippett. Do you just send all three in game one and say that's one? You know, those are three right, of the veterans that go right. and give the line a shot. I don't, you know, maybe. I but don't now hate that. that. But well, but now that Konechny's not. I mean, now here's the interesting right. part. I brought up Brent, uh, Brendan Furry, right? He was kind of filling in for Konechny in scrimmages on the day, you know, Sunday when he wasn't able to play. Okay. Do you send him as Maybe. a guy who like who like you sat there and you who you sit there and go, hey, the rookie camp was good for him. You look, you've looked. I want to so give him far, a game. Take a shot. Right. right. I want to just give him a game. Yeah. Maybe it's somebody else in general. You know. Maybe it's another one. Like, maybe it's Denoye, who you really do want to see in preseason. Oh yeah. He actually has a oh, shot. Oh yeah. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I will say like. Couturier didn't overly impress me in the beginning, and I don't know if that was necessarily just playing it safe. I mean, his skating looks his skating looks good. He he's he was doing on one of the days. I think it might have been Friday. I want to say, but I don't remember completely. And Couturier called this. He had it like maybe made up a word, if you will, for this, but said that he ha- kind of has to do prehab to <laughs> to kind of in terms of his routine for being prepared health health wise for a game. They did stretches at the end of the practice session that his group had, and he basically was the guy who kind of got to go to the middle and lead it, so to speak. And everybody else is doing like normal stuff, and he's rolling over every which way possible, stretching in different directions. And it, in in a sense, that's good because it shows that he's got you know he's he's flexible. If he's not feeling anything as a result of that, that's a really good sign. And and let's put it this way: 
they didn't have to hold him out of the lineup at the end of last year. He probably he was cleared then, so he technically could have played. Right. I still think it was a smart decision. I still think that that was we a, said a good idea to just let him sit out the year, not force anything. Just he comes back and he comes healthy. back ready to go. Yeah. And now we get to see how that works out. He's had some, you know, not not many moments, but he's had some. And I, again, I think he's just feeling some things out and conditioning's part of that too. You haven't played in a game in two of years. Course. Like he's more behind like Couturier's and gonna really be more, two and a half. I mean, well, right. Couturier's gonna be more behind the eight ball than Atkinson is because Atkinson at least got to play more the season before. Yeah. To not miss that kind of time. Atkinson from a skating perspective, and you know, all that Atkinson looks way better. Like just it looks like himself. Like like if you're looking for a guy, like and let, let's not let's not kid ourselves here, even though he missed the tail end of that see that one season he played with the Flyers so far. He was he was one of your guys in terms of production. He could produce Absolutely. at a good rate. He looks like that guy a little bit now. Again, it's only scrimmages, it's only practice. Right. You can't take a ton away, but he looks more like that guy. And let's face it, the relationship he has with Tortorella is going to also allow him to be part of this. Absolutely. I don't know. You know, I don't know if it goes much further than beyond the contract. Because and Tortorella would say that too, possibly because of the fact that, like, listen, at the end of the day, if Atkinson is, you know, by that point, 34, 35 years old, and you're on a team that doesn't have a shot to win, and somebody out there who does wants him, then you make the trade, don't you? Like, and, and you do it with like complete gratitude for what he was able to provide oh, yeah. as, as a veteran leader and say, go get yours. Thank you wherever so much for goes. your service. You we'll know, do wherever it may can. be, yep. you know, and I don't, and, and I don't know. Like, do you, you know, do you sit there and say that's something like a Boston area type thing because he played Oof. college up there? Do you sit there and you say it's somewhere else? I mean, hell, do you, you know, is there a possibility that even in another year and a half that Columbus is better because of all the young guys they have and you throw him right back? Because he, like, he lives I feel in like Columbus. he'd love he's, that. Well, he still lives there in the offseason. Right. And, you know, his family's there and he's got a foundation that's out there, you know, and all stuff like that. So there's a lot of. You know, there's a lot of reasons that that would make a lot of sense. Maybe it's something relatively close, depending on, again, depending on who's competing. Like, if you're trying to bridge the gap and look in those Midwestern cities, maybe St. Louis has a revival and you send him there. Maybe, you know, something like that. And I'm just thinking out loud here. It's just, but you get the point. It's just one of these things, you know. But for now, he's part of the rebuild and he's part of helping be a veteran on this team. And yet, the interesting part with those two is that by being a veteran on this team and being part of the rebuild is yeah, you want them to be veteran leaders and help young guys along, but they also kind of have to figure out what they are too, because it's, you're not coming back from light stuff here. You're coming right. back from serious injuries. So absolutely. And I don't expect to see anything close to the real Sean Couturier for minimum, probably 15 or 20 games. It's possible. I, I want to see how many preseason games he gets into to maybe shake yeah. off the rust because he already like, Definitely on that first day, especially first day with pucks, you could see it. Sure. Then, of course. then you get to Sunday and it's day three of scrimmages, and you go, okay, this guy looks a lot more like the guy that we remember. Right. And then there's game speed, which is even another step. Well, there so. there is, but there's also the reminder that the season doesn't open formally until October twelfth. Yeah, another three. And you got three two, weeks, three weeks to two go. Weeks, yeah. There's some. There's still time for him to there's shake time. that off a little bit, and that's yeah. a good. You know. There's still time for him to shake it off, if you know what I mean. Huh? Thank you. 
Thank you, Travis. I didn't Kelsey. think I was going to be the one to do that. <laughs> Listen, tra- just because Travis Kelsey is dating Taylor Swift doesn't mean we can we start making these jokes. She was hey, at the hey. game today. I know, I know. She hey, was at hey. the game, and when he scored, they cut to her in the booth, and she went, "Let's f and go." Yeah, I know. They're um, dating. Come on. All right. Hey, hey. I, I'm on my you know on my word here. You know that I wrote when they did the new era thing, and she was coming through Philadelphia the same weekend with the eras tour. That I wrote the article and had plenty of references in there. Absolutely. And I'm not the one who's spending $1,000 to go to her concert or anything like no. that. So I'm not that level. But it was just ironic. Uh, that's a whole nother song, though. So I can't do that. Listen, the, the breakup album is going to be fantastic <laughs> off of this one. But all right. I think that is a good place for us to wrap it today. When we start talking about pop culture, that means the hockey talk is done. Uh, the good news, we got good news and bad news, right? Bad yeah. news is that's the end of the show for today. And it, it is going to be another week until our next show. But the good news is, it's A, it's only one week. And B, we'll have four preseason games to talk about. Kevin, yeah, we're back, baby. Let's I know. And it's, this is what's going to be fun is because now that we actually, like, you know, you understand this too. By the time we're on day four of training camp and it's not a preseason game type deal, there's only right. so much. Well, there's only so much you can say before like you want something to really evaluate. So the fact that immediately to start this week off in the week between shows is Monday night preseason game against the Devils. Two yeah. nights, you know, and then even better Tuesday, off day, Wednesday, another preseason game, Thursday. Just a regular practice day. Possibly some cuts thrown in there also, which is good news to have. Yes. Friday, Saturday, back-to-back. Sunday, again, we'll, we'll be recording following a practice. And possibly, follow, again, that's another day. That's Sunday, by the way, because next Sunday is, is October 1st. That's the day that Phantom's training camp is scheduled yep. to start. So okay. you can imagine there's probably some cuts coming again. Yeah. And that, that'll be perfect for us to jump in and do the next show and say, listen, here's what the roster's down to. Here's what the first four preseason games have shown us. There's two more to go, which are for the you know all the marbles in terms of roster battles. Positions, yep. And you'll, and you'll know way I, – believe me, you'll know way more about the guys who are really in the thick of those battles by then, because when you once you're four games in, you're so far into it. We're gonna have we're gonna start having we're gonna have a lot, and and we'll have cuts by then. So a lot of those questions will be answered. Uh, we'll be back to answer the rest of them next week. In the meantime, follow us on social media at YWT Podcast. Kevin is at Kevin underscore Durso. Find us everywhere you find your podcast, including SportsTalkPhilly.com. Uh, it's time for the season to start, so we'll be having we'll be pumping out a bunch of content over there. Yep. And uh, all right, I think that'll do it for today. Uh, we got one more week. We'll see you.